love, spread love is more than a catchphrase. It's a way of life. Speaking truth to power. I'm Maya by name, and I'm making love mainstream. Welcome back to the Be Love, Spread Love podcast. How is your heart today? You guys, I'm very excited. Today, I am joined by international business consultant, executive coach, and motivational speaker. You guys, over 30 years of experience, Dr. Anthony White. How are you, my friend? I am absolutely amazing. I'm absolutely amazing. And I'm so honored to be here today. I love to hear that you are amazing. I'm so happy to have you here and to finally be able to chat with you. Yes. Uh, we met on the magical land of TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you also do your uh, inspirational uh, words and stories for your viewers, which I just love. I love following people who just spread the love, right? Be love, spread love. Um, so I, I wanna ask you how you got started and what your personal motivation is for working in service to others and specifically at the executive level and helping leaders. I got started at the age of 15 um, as the youth minister in my church. And um, sometimes you don't know that you're a part of something big until they, it's like the people who live in Los Angeles who, big, you know, Disneyland is not a big deal to them. And it's like um, everybody else is, you know, raving over Uncle Mickey. And you're like, <laughs> ah, that's just Mickey. You know, you, you. And so my pastor at the time um, always put me out on, on, you know, major stages. And he says, speak. But he also says, always be ready for, to speak. Mm. You know, even if there's three people in your audience, treat them like they're 3,000. So when you're in front of the 3,000, it's not phasing you. And so it kind of grew from that. And um, being a 15-year-old, quote, unquote, in an old man's game, because I was always surrounded by old men who thought old ways. And here I am, this sophomore in high school, you know. Um, and I didn't see myself as just this preacher like you see. I, you know, I wanted to be relevant. I, and so I use hip hop terms because, you know, I use hip hop terms and music and they're like, you can't say that in terms like, it's too late now. And I always say, there's two things. You can't unring a bell and you can't reverse a fart because once it's out there, it's out there. <laughs> yes. And, and so I just learned to be me. And I, in growing up, I realized people would come to me with problems. Mm. Um, and, and it's not that I had this major education, was overly brilliant. I just used common sense. Mm -hmm. And my father, who owned a, a janitorial company, one of the largest maintenance companies in the San, I grew up in San Jose, California, which quote unquote is Silicon Valley mm -hmm. um, area. And so, he had one of the largest janitorial companies. And from the age of seven until like 21, I worked that every day. Mm. I mean, mopping floors. And then, but I learned the back office. I learned the, I learned what people needed. And I would be in, in an office while people are having meetings right. and I would listen. 
And I'm like, that just makes no sense. And that just, and so, and they would say things. And so I was able to get the ears of executives of people who I was dumping their trash. And I had the ability to just kind of say, um, you know, he'll, he'll say something like, what do you think about what you heard? And I'm like, that didn't make no sense because if you do this, this, and this, then this will work. And, and if you do these things and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm 17, you know, I just, I just see what makes sense. And I made use of my, you know, my talent and my gift. And I allowed my gift to always be ready to be used. And so time went on. Um, I started, I got invited just to be on panels and panel discussions and uh, from panel discussions to advisory boards. And I'm always the youngest on there. And so uh, um, I, I'm that guy that I look, I look for the loudest person in the room. I look for them so they can show me how shallow they really are. Mm. Because what I realized my grandmother and my grandfather would always tell me an empty wagon makes a lot of noise. Mm. And so I, I, I look and I see what they're saying. And when I realize they're not moving anyone with their loud words and their loud actions, um, I wait for my opportunities, kind of like double dutch jump rope. You just wait for that moment where you can just say one thing and everyone just, now you're in now. And, I, and when you're in, you, you, you do what it takes to stay in. Mm. And sometimes staying in is always being quiet until my opinion mattered when, when my silence is broken. That's what I discovered. Mm. And so it kind of grew from there and it just went from a referral type of thing to, can you speak to my group? Can you speak to my company? Can you come and speak to my executives? Can you speak to my core team? Can you meet with us one-on-one? Mm -hmm. and, and I think when a president of a third world country calls me and says, I need to book some time with you mm. because you have what it takes to help me take my country to the next level. I'm thinking, I'm not trying to start no war. <laughs> They're like, what exactly are you trying to do? You know, I don't want to be the name connected to someone who took over the world. Right. And, you know, I'm Dr. Evil's number two. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Had to check the intentions, right? <laughs> right. And, and so, and, and I had to realize um, when it all came down to it, um, I, executive coaching was something that I just didn't exclude to executives because everyone is an executive. And everyone should get that same experience. Mm -hmm. Whether you're paying me $65 an hour mm -hmm. or you're paying me $10,000 for a meeting. Mm -hmm. you did, My attention costs um, what it costs. And I make that determination. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You know, it's, it's interesting because there are some people that look at the world of, of coaching and um, treat different clients differently. And right. I, I love that you said that, that if you're sitting with me, you're going to get me. All right, of all of me. Mm -hmm. The good, the bad, you know, the funny, the, <laughs> the dad joke, you're gonna get all of that. And, <laughs> and getting all of that, um, it becomes that people wanna feel empowered. Yes. People don't wanna feel like, it's the haves and the have nots because 
it's just us. Right. You know, and no matter where you are in the world, matter of fact, um, I had a leader who told me, he says, well, my country's a third world country. I said, your country's a country. I said, stop looking at it as a third world country. It's a, you have the same problems as we have in the United States. You just have them on a smaller level. We all have, we all have homeless. We all have the poor. We all have uh, injustice. We had, and I said, it's the same thing. You know, we're, we're the same thing as you. We just have more land to cover. Right. More land, more problems, mm -hmm. you know, more egos. And so don't, don't, don't just, don't limit your land by its size. Mm -hmm. Your potential is amazing. Great things come from small places. Mm -hmm. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> That's what we, and we call those things seeds. Well, I, I did some study um, I, and one of the things I discovered that a tomato seed is a very small seed, but it yields eight tomatoes. And that one tomato has a minimum of 100 seeds. So out of that one seed comes 800 seeds that if they're replanted again, now we have a field full of potential, which came to the dedication of something so small. I love and it. so these are the analogies that I use in my business and personal coaching and consulting. It, when, when we do this, people can see, you, especially with my business and executive coaching, mm -hmm. um, your business is not failing. It's something failing within you personally. Because I can't tell you that I'm your business coach or your, your consultant if I can't touch your life. Mm. And if I, if I ask you, tell me about the 12-year-old you and you put walls up, that now explains to me why you have walls and barriers within your company. And so I'm forced to look at all of you mm -hmm. because what you think is the problem. So you think it's the scrape on the knee, but you don't see the infection under the kneecap. Yeah. You know, uh, when people come to me, I, I, I'm like, okay, I know why you're coming. <laughs> you're coming to me because you think this is the problem. Mm -hmm. But when it's all said and done, there's, there's more to that. And um, I, I think the thing is, when it came to what makes my coaching and consulting different mm -hmm. is I've learned the power of joy. Mm. Um, and my first encounter with joy was it the worst day of my life. Mm. It was the day I had to bury my mother. Um, sp spoke at a funeral, um, getting into the limousine, heading to the gravesite, and sitting in the limousine, and and you see cars passing on every side. People got music going, and and they're just dancing. And in my head, I'm thinking, that's my mother in that hearse there. This should be the national day of mourning, and tears are streaming down. I'm angry because I'm a mama's boy. Um, she, the president of my fan club is gone. The, my first, I love you is gone. Now the, you know, all these things are gone that, that made me who I am. Yeah. And I'm just angry and I'm, and, and I'm frustrated. And in a still small voice, I hear, I'm still here. And 
um, immediately at that moment, it went, I went from being angry to smiling mm -hmm. because the memories of who she is mm -hmm. is within me. And I realized at that moment, the difference between happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. Happiness is a temporary reaction. I was happy when she was here. I was happy seeing her. And then I was unhappy when she was no longer here. Mm -hmm. But joy was continuous. It Joy never stops the tears, but it gives you a comfort that you could never imagine. You don't even know how it works. It just works. You know, it's kind of like when pregnant women eat food and they have all these different cravings and you don't know why it tastes good because it doesn't seem like it should go together, <laughs> but it just goes together. Yeah. yeah. That's what joy does. And so I teach my clients to tap into the joy of who you are, mm. tap into the core of who you, and oftentimes it's so cluttered. This is why I love that show of uh, uh, Marie Kondo. Uh, on, on Netflix, simply because if it doesn't give you joy, release it. And there are things that we're holding hostage within ourselves that's cluttering up and we become emotional hoarders mm. and which clutter our business, which clutter, clutter our personal lives. And then we make desperate decisions. And when you're desperate, um, if you're desperate in the desert, you'll drink anything. Right. Regardless of what it is. Right. So that's that's me in a nutshell. I'm a pretty boring guy. <laughs> I love it. You know, in one of your videos, and I actually wrote this down because I wanted to quote it correctly. Uh, you said something that I think is so wonderful. You said some people are living and some are on life support. And I thought this was very powerful. It's this idea of living without attachments. Right. Right. Um, I just I, I want to dive dive into that. What does living mean to you? What living means to me is simply this, appreciating every inhale and appreciating every exhale because they're not guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I made a post this morning how um, tomorrows are not guaranteed and procrastination is the thief of time. Mm -hmm. And what it really does, it messes up my inventory of tomorrows because if I get it tomorrow, tomorrow has its own plans for me. Mm -hmm. And if I start adding to tomorrow's agenda, it's only going to mess up. So what all I really have is, that's guaranteed for me is today. And so with every inhale and exhale, I'm thankful for life. Just gratitude, gratitude yeah. for today, for the moment. And, you know, there's so much power in embracing right now. You know, people get so caught up in the future or they're stuck in the past, right? right. I always like to say the past is irrelevant and the future is not yet in existence. So all you have. <laughs> all you have is now. Yeah. And watch this, later is not even guaranteed for you. Not even tomorrow, later is not later. even guaranteed. Right. You don't know what you don't know. So all you have <laughs> is right now. Yes, absolutely. I, I shared a question with someone and I'm going to post this online. And, and it's simply this, and it, it triggers now the way I live my life. Mm -hmm. 
What if everything you prayed for happened five minutes ago? How would you live? How would you, how would you be acting right? How would you act right now if every prayer, if every dream, if every goal happened five minutes ago? If all of a sudden all your bills were cleared, all of a sudden you have a clean bill of health, all of a sudden, you know, your loved ones were all united, all family feuds were done and settled. What happened if all of that was done five minutes ago? And I think that's where we should live in yeah. our mind. Live there. Live as though it happened five minutes ago. And all the excitement and all the love and everything that, that would have, in response to that, mm -hmm. live that now. You know, and there's also, um, there's also something to that point, living as if the things that you're dreaming of, they're already yours. Yeah. They're already going to come true, right? What, what, what type of joy would you be living in if you knew that everything you wanted was coming? <laughs> right. As you said, already passed, right? Right. <laughs> how, how excited and just full of magic and love would you be? Exactly. Yeah. Why not just live as if they're already here? Right. We hold on to so many old things. Yeah. And I, and, um, and I, I was having a conversation, my wife and I were talking, and um, we were just talking about uh, the analogy of sharing in the world and make sure we're giving. And yeah. we use the analogy, uh, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Mm -hmm. uh, teach a man how to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. And I simply said, that sounds good on the surface, but right. there are some flaws in that, in that, in that, in this parable. Right. I said, if I teach you how to fish, watch this. Then I take my rod and reel with me. You're in a worse situation because you're hungry. You know how to fish, but you have no tools. Right. So while we inspire, we have to make sure that we empower, yeah. lead them something to work with, right. show them what kind of rod that they need, and then give them that rod. That's the problem with a lot of motivational speakers and life coaches. We will inspire the world, but we leave them with no tools. Mm. They know how to do it. Now they're worse off because they're faced with a situation and they don't know how to, they don't, they don't have the tools to fix it. Right. Right. And I think that's where, um, you know, obviously for you, where the speaking meets the coaching. Yes. And I try to, in every motivational presentation, I open the floor for questions. Mm. because now I'm the life coach to the room and and now you're going to see how good I am or how good I'm not because right. how I respond to your question and if I keep saying well I, let me think about that and get back that get to you you know there's something wrong with me right um and because I really believe that God has gifted me and that that is my superpower I realize my superpower is my voice and the wisdom that God has given me yeah and so um it is important that I am always prepared and I see something. I, I like to see wisdom in everything. Mm. Um, whether it's, um, I made a, a little video walking through the park and there was this tree that was dead in the middle of the park. Dead tree. It wasn't, it was dead. It was there. And I said, isn't this amazing that we can walk through this park full of living things and right in front of us, something has died and no one has noticed it. 
we need to make sure we pay attention to our surroundings because things don't didn't just die, but it's been dying for a long time. We just noticed that it's dead. Right. There are things that are happening that we're so used to looking at things being one way and not looking at the transformation. Right. Or we or we embrace broken things and let that be the norm. Mm. Yes. And so uh, I, I have a quote that simply says, if a broke clock is right twice a day, why are we looking a third time? <laughs> why yeah. are we expecting new information from broken things or broken people? Mm. Yes. The, you have to ask yourself, what can be polished? Yep. What can be fixed? Mm-hmm. And what can be thrown away? can't be afraid to throw away as well. I know um, in my life, I've been through it and I, I certainly know it's something common where you hold on to things in hope that, in hope of, <laughs> right? Maybe it'll change. My father's <laughs> closet right now is an example of that. No, don't throw that away. It's gonna come back in style. Well, he might be right on the clothing, but there are some things that are in that closet <laughs> that it was bad when it was in style. You gotta know when. You gotta know when. You have to. <laughs> on the topic of living for now, living in general, no attachments. I want to go um, back to that point we made earlier because part of living for me is also dreaming. Yes and um, how important it is to to dream and to allow yourself to believe in things that maybe aren't in front of you yet. Yes. I just want to ask you, how important is it to dream? It is so important. It is, um, but you have to, you have to respect every process of the dream being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It is, um, and I, the one thing that really taught me how to dream was looking at an acorn. And you're like, where are you going with this? Hey, I'm just letting you, I'm letting you go because I know you're going to take us somewhere. <laughs> Inside every acorn is an oak tree waiting to be revealed. But it, there's a process that needs to happen. It seems like it needs to be buried it has to be watered mm-hmm. and it has to look, it, it seems invisible to everyone else mm-hmm. because it's unseen. Mm-hmm. And then when it breaks out of this strong acorn, it becomes this vulnerable twig, little spray. And once what was had this hard protection is now vulnerable mm-hmm. before it could become big. Mm-hmm. And that's what dreaming does. Dreaming it forces you to become vulnerable before you can become big. Dreaming for me was always believing in things that others might see as impossible, you know, and others might not support, others might not be happy about. Um, But I believe that the dreams that are within us are there for a reason. Yeah. They're there to be, to be followed. You know, um, I I believe there's nothing 
There's nothing that you can visualize that you dream about at nighttime that you think about all day long that's not for you. I feel like if it's something that is destined for you, it, it's going to be within you all the time. You right. can't escape it. And no. I know sometimes people say, well, well, I have this dream, but oh, I don't know if it'll ever happen. If it's in you, it's, it's supposed to be. It was given to you. It was given to you. Destined for you. Yours. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's not, there's not always going to be a straight and narrow path to get there. It might, you might have to overcome a lot of things until you arrive there. And some people, they have the dream, they believe it's for them, but because the path is so treacherous, they don't continue forward. Right. And right. it becomes something negative as opposed to what it was always supposed to be, which was yours. It, it was, it's always been yours. Yes. But I think our problem here is we become admirers of others fulfilling their dreams mm -hmm. because it doesn't take work to admire. It doesn't take work to, to, to be a fan. <laughs> right. Um, but it takes work to be on the stage. It takes work to fulfilling that dream. Mm -hmm. Fulfilling means um, that you have to do some work to feel that, that whatever, whatever that vessel is. You, know, you can dream of love, but if you're not willing to put in the work to receive the love or give the love. See, people don't mind receiving, mm -hmm. but it's giving in order to receive. To get out means I've got to make room for something to yeah. be poured into me. And that's why people won't ever, they won't fulfill their dreams because they give up when it gets hard. Mm -hmm. I, I like that you said, uh, you know, dreaming is like, um, let, let's say for, for our purposes here, right? Filling a bucket. Well, filling a bucket for 12 hours a day, seven days a week, that's uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> it gets really difficult to continue right. forward. And um, that's the, I think that's the other part of, of dreaming that we don't dissect as often as we do is just saying, well, it's yours, you can have anything, you know, it's, it's that work and that there, there is a little bit of struggle and there is that uh, sometimes you, you are filled with doubts and sometimes right. you're fighting yourself on your yes. way there. I know I've done it, <laughs> you know, and, and there's always gonna be those little things that are gonna try to veer you off course when you are heading toward a dream. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I, I, I love that. And the core of who I am becomes my GPS. Yes! <laughs> because it is a rerouting. We're not supposed to go that way. A good friend of mine who's a screenwriter, um, I asked, I said, how do you write movies? Mm. And he says, I start at, and they lived happily ever after. And I work my way back to once upon a time. Mm. He said, this way, I always know what the ending is supposed to look like. So no matter, and so, because if I started at once upon a time, it's a bird walk and the ending can be anything. Right, right. And if we have our dream and we know what our, and they lived happily ever after look like, mm -hmm. 
work your way back to where you are now, then just follow the script. Yeah. Yeah. Always have the, the outcome in sight. Yes. I love it. And, you know, it, it sometimes it's difficult to, I think the problem is, is that it's difficult for people to envision themselves at their desired outcome. Yeah. They can't even picture themselves in that position that they dream about. I think so visualizing ourselves at that destination and feeling, how would you feel if you arrived there? What would, what would it smell like? What would it look like? Right. That's manifestation, right? What would it be like to be where you want to go? And then be there now. Yes. As if you're already there. Yes. Right now the world is, uh, coming out of this extreme time um, of the last year, the pandemic and everything that, that happened in the midst of it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we're just in a dire need of hope and optimism and positivity. What would you say to the people who are struggling right now who say, well, you guys are all smiley and happy and positive and that's great, but I'm struggling and, and physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm having a hard time. What can we offer those people right now? Because it's easy for us to say, we've found our joy. We know how to live in it, you know, but to actually help and teach people how to find theirs and live in theirs, even when the world is crazy. What, what would you offer? Bob Marley once said, um, some people stand in the rain while others just get wet. <laughs> Where I am, I can't always change my conditions. And better yet, I have a better, I have, I have an analogy, if I can tell this short story, and I think it can answer that. A man goes into a grocery store and he sees um, the, the clerk throwing away these dented cans. And, um, and the guy says, why, why are you throwing away these dented cans? He said, these cans are, they don't match the image of our store. And so we just have to get rid of them because they're all dented up and the labels messed up. Mm -hmm. So the guy says, well, can I have some of these? He's, you can have all you want. So he, he has a car, he only went for a couple of cans of peaches. He ends up with like a carload of peaches and he goes home and he, he looks at these dented cans. And then he, he finds one can that was never dented. And he says, I know this was where you were supposed to look, but this is your reality. Yeah. I can't change the dent, but I can relabel you mm. because what's on the inside of you is still good. Just because we've been dented by life and your label or your identity has been messed up because someone else was irresponsible and dropped you and caused the dents that have happened in your life and caused you to think of yourself differently. You, can't, you don't see yourself um, as, as other people see themselves. And, and so now you have this identity problem. You can be relabeled again and understand what's inside of you is still sweet. So you might be dented, but you're not damaged. Thank you so much for sharing and for being here with me and chatting with me. Uh, my friend, you are incredible. And we need you 
to keep being you, to keep standing in the truth of who you are and encouraging and inspiring all of us. So thank you so much. It is my honor. I love you like cook food. Thank you so much for joining me in this space. I hope you have an amazing day. And as always, be loved and spread love. Mwah.